It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 189. We're going to look this week at how our world gets divided. Um, But let's begin with this song. We all know that people are the same wherever you go. There is good and bad in everyone. And we learn to live. We learn to give each other what we need to survive. Together Ebony and ivory. We all know that people are the same wherever you go. Well, they are, and that's uh, we're mixed and we're sinful. There's good and bad in everyone. That's true. We learn to live when we learn to give. Mm. Each other what we need to survive, together alive. Ebony and ivory live together in perfect harmony, side by side on my piano keyboard. Oh, Lord, why don't we? Well, why don't we live in perfect harmony? And as, you know, ebony and ivory use, that's Paul McCartney and... Um, Stevie Wonder. But that that black and white thing, I'm thinking of black and white in a very different way. And that is, we divide our world into the good guys and the bad guys. For example, the Sydney Morning Herald has an advertising campaign which has an, a, a perceived, or a letter to the perceived closed minds of Australia accusing them of sexism, racism, polarising and ostracising society. Finishes with a warning that ongoing closed-mindedness will be met with extreme nuance, deep inquiry and difficult questions. Except that's precisely what the Sydney Morning Herald does. It doesn't do deep inquiry normally. It just has its opinions, it puts them there, and if you don't agree with them, they do exactly what they're accusing other people of, which is polarising. I read an article which said this, the reality of this shows that the left has become bossy, snobby, divisive, while also being obsessed with virtue signaling, moral superiority and threatening behaviour. The, the attitude is, you're bad, we're good. Now, I do have to say that that same thing can happen on the right. And that same thing can happen within the Christian church as well. So what I want to do with this podcast is look at some of the major issues, and we will come on to Ukraine. I'm not going to do the whole of it on Ukraine. We will come on to Ukraine, which is something massive going on. But there are other things going on as well. For example, speaking of black and white, there is this. That, as I'm sure all you K-pop aficionados will know, is uh, GNA and their song, Black and White. Well, I played that just purely and simply because it's from Korea. And the news from Korea, and this this is important news, is that Lee Yang-myung 
who is the governing party's candidate, has conceded a very close election to his conservative rival, Yoon Suk-yul. Now, the new president is going to be uh, very interesting in different ways because he's, no, he's an anti-corruption crusader, he is a conservative, and he's very concerned about North Korea. Now, we shall see what happens. Well, this matters, by the way, because South Korea's economy is bigger than Russia's. We shall see how all this works out. Meanwhile, I guess you know what this song is referring to. Talking to myself and feeling old Sometimes I'd like to quit Nothing ever seems to fit Hanging around Nothing to do but frown Rainy days and Mondays always get me drowned What I've got they used to call the blues Yeah, it's the floods in Queensland and also in New South Wales. Um, I had a couple of you contact me saying, were we okay? Well, we've certainly had a lot of rain. I think it's 13 days that we've had rain. In fact, today I'm looking out the window and it's the first sunny day that we've had for a long time. And in particular, rainy days and Mondays, by the way, beautiful voice of Karen Carpenter. That was what we had on Monday and Tuesday, just absolutely pouring down and massive floods. I mean, there's no question of, of there being a drought now in New South Wales. Now, again, I come to this kind of binary view and it gets so depressing. I stopped listening to the news about this because, you know, and I, I do blame a lot of journalists for this. They simplify everything to, well, it's raining in New South Wales and there's too much of it. So it's Scott Morrison's fault. And there are others who just come on and say, well, that doesn't, doesn't it just prove climate change? So every time there's a storm or every time there's something that's considered to be extraordinary, and by the way, this was extraordinary. This is, I think, the largest floods in 40 years, which means, by the way, there were floods 40 years ago. In fact, if we start looking at all of this, this is an effect of La Nina. And La Nina is a wet weather phenomenon triggered when the ocean and the atmosphere meet particular conditions. It stems from the tropics, and we know from history that La Nina events in Australia cause more rainfall, leaving meaning cooler maximum temperatures and a higher number of tropical cyclones. Now, Australia has had 18 La Nina events since 1900, and of these, 12 have resulted in flooding. And La Nina has apparently been around for thousands and thousands of years. So quite what this has to do with climate change is not sure. Even the Bureau of Meteorology were saying it was a, a low effect in terms of climate change. But that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop people who are making political points or who are terrified of climate change and who want to catastrophize. So I can't remember I was reading this, but I, I did pick this up from an article that in 2000, The Independent reported that children of the day would not know what snow is. In 2004, The Guardian predicted that Britain would have a Siberian climate by 2020. In 2009, Prince Charles said we had 96 months to save the world. 
In that same year, Al Gore stated the polar cap would be gone by 2014. In 2013, U.S. Navy scientists said the Arctic would be ice-free by 2016. In May 2014, the French Foreign Minister Laurent Fabio stated that we have 500 days to avoid climate chaos. In other words, this goes on and on and on and on. And it creates all kinds of problems, and that's where we're back to the binary black and white. Yes, there are climate events. Yes, it's highly likely, um, you know, I would say extremely probable that the climate is affected by what human beings are doing, uh, so probable as to be certain, and that there are things that we can do. But no, it's not as simple as the climate catastrophists put it. Um, it's so interesting with this war with Russia that uh, you're finding the German Greens and, and others, you know, changing their policies. You know, it's ironic that President Biden closed an oil pipeline that was to come from Alaska. That oil pipeline would bring the amount of petrol and gas that uh, he's just stopped the U.S. importing from Russia. Anyway, let's just take another uh, story that I thought was, a, a, to me, I thought this was a fascinating story. The Endurance, which is Sir Ernest Shackleton's lost ship, it's been found. Um, I read about people going to look for it, and I thought they'll never find it, and they have, which is really wonderful. And they found it in remarkable condition, they say. It's a British-led research team. They find that its timbers are together and the name clearly visible on the stern. The marine archaeologist, Minson Bound, says, without any exaggeration, this is the finest wooden shipwreck I've ever seen. It is upright, well proud of the seabed, intact, and in a brilliant state of preservation. It's lying at a depth of about 9,000 feet. Well, I, I think that is a remarkable achievement. It's a really interesting story. Okay, um, I, I guess people are not going to divide over that one, are they? Here's a man who's extremely divisive. Listen to this. I'll deal with the point. I dealt with that matter months ago in remarks that I made to the House of Commons to which the Right Honourable Lady in our various meetings since has made no reference and which requires from the Chair today no elaboration whatsoever. That is the former Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burko. Now, on previous podcasts, I had mentioned that my impression was that he was a bully and um, indeed a liar. That little clip there where he's speaking to Andrea Ledsom gives some kind of hint of what he was like. Burkhouse started off as an extreme right winger and then shifted to being very pro-EU and uh, very non-impartial in his uh, chairmanship of the House of Commons. And he was full of himself. He really was. Now, when we suggested that he was a bully, he peels it out. Don't be ridiculous. And indeed, there were some, particularly on the left, who thought, well, he's useful to have, even if he is a misogynist, even if, you know, and so on. Burko is famous as the man who said who would ban President Trump from addressing Parliament. Now, why do we bring all that just now? Because he has received a lifetime ban on holding a parliamentary pass after an independent panel found him to be, guess what, a serial bully and serial liar. 21 of 35 claims of bullying by three staff were found to be proven. Burko has also been administratively suspended from the Labour Party, which he joined 
uh, last year, I believe, pending an internal investigation. And again, I think this is what happens when you have somebody who's meant to be impartial, but who very much does take sides. And that's that black and white thing again, isn't it? Well, that's a, a, a wee musical break. Um, the Beatles wanted us to come together. Okay, we do have to turn to uh, Ukraine. Now, there's so much here, so forgive me if I rattle off some of it. But let's start with Kamala Harris explaining what the Ukraine war is about. So, Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So, basically, that's wrong. Now, either she thinks that Americans are stupid, and my American listeners, I, I apologize for even suggesting that, but your vice president treats you like idiots. Uh, that is just, she's explaining it as if to four-year-olds. We need, you know, it's that kind of simplistic thinking that leads to this extreme black and white. And here's an example of what happens with that black and white, how even good people, uh, there's a man called Stan Grant, who's a fabulous writer, and I've got a lot of time for him. Uh, he's a journalist as well, and he was in charge of Q&A. And then this happened. Sasha Gillies Lukakis. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, so as someone who comes from the Russian community here in Australia, I've been pretty outraged by the narrative created by our media depicting the Ukraine as the good guy and Russia as the bad guy. Believe it or not, there are a lot of Russians here and around the world that support what Putin uh, is doing in the Ukraine, myself included. Uh, since 2014, uh, the Ukrainian government, together with Nazi groups like the Azov Battalion, have besieged the Russian populations in the Donbass, killing an estimated 13,000 people, Can I... according to the United Nations. That's a lie. That's yeah. a lie. Could I finish? Just quickly finish and then we'll come to yeah, that yeah. and put that to the panel. So my, my question is, you know, where was your outpouring of grief and concern for those thousands of mostly Russians? Um, okay. When, 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 when you mention, when you mention the 13,000, yeah. um, the United Nations has listed 13,000 total people killed yeah. since the conflict. But you're, try, you're trying to suggest that is Russians killed by Ukrainians. And I think we need to point Jason on this. You know, since we had Sasha's question earlier about Russia, and it's been playing on my mind. And Sasha, people here have been talking about family who are suffering and people are dying. And I understand you wanted to ask your question about is there some reasoning for this, but you supported what's happening, hearing that people are dying. And can I just say I'm just not comfortable with you being here? Could, could you please leave? I've, I've been... And that was a young man who was removed from the show after, I think, about 20 minutes after he asked his question. And the problem here is this. It's not that the young man was right. It's not that 
there was an opportunity to disagree with him or correct him. It's that Stan Grant removed him and didn't allow him to express his opinion, thereby feeding the conspiracy theorists who say that the Russians are not allowed to express their point of view. But also, the, the, the standard on which he did so, the reason for which he did so, doesn't make any sense. He said, we cannot have someone advocating violence. So if people were advocating overthrow of the Russians, if they were advocating sending weapons to the Ukrainian troops, what are they going to do? They're going to be using violence. If they were, you know, I mean, if they're saying that Australia should buy tanks, what's that for? That's for violence. It just doesn't make any sense to say we cannot, having someone advocate violence on this show is so offensive that they cannot be allowed to do so. That's not true. What he's saying is having someone advocate the Russian position on violence is wrong. And that really does not help. Um, that does play into the propagandists and you know, when someone is wrong, you need to correct them, not throw them out. One man who's now one of the aspects of this war is how Boris Johnson, for example, thinks this is saving his career. And he just can't stop. He tweets every single day about what he's doing for Ukraine. Uh, there are other politicians who are taking full advantage of this. One of whom, and, and he certainly seems to be incredibly admirable, is the president of Ukraine, Zelensky. Here's a little bit of him at the House of Commons. We do not want to lose what we have, what is ours, our country, Ukraine, just the same way as you once didn't want to lose your country when Nazis started to fight your country. And you had to fight for Britain. 13 days of the struggle on day one at four o'clock in the morning we were attacked by cruise missiles. Everybody woke up, uh, people, children, the entire Ukraine. And since that we have not been sleeping. We have all been fighting for our country with our army. Now, of course, he got a standing ovation. But here, I feel almost like it's it's committing blasphemy. It's like a Catholic uh, questioning Mother Teresa or something. I, I'm very wary about all of this, and I'm very wary about Zelensky. It, he may turn out to be one of the greatest heroes ever. He may. I, I don't know that he won't. But not all his actions indicate that. So, for example... A couple of years ago, he closed down three opposition TV stations in Ukraine and he put in prison for three months the main opposition leader. He did talk about taking back Crimea, which was a red rag to a bull to the Russians. And then there's the Azov unit, which was incorporated into the Ukrainian military. Now, it is far right. If, if the Azov unit were in the UK or in Australia or in America, everyone would be yelling, this is ridiculous, you cannot have these fascists. Um, uh, a hero of Ukraine award was given to a leader of the right sector, which was another, is another fascist group in Ukraine. The Ukrainian Jewish oligarch, Igor Kolomoski has also been a benefactor of the neo-Nazi Azov Battalion. The Azov Battalion, in effect, had control of 
the port city of Marupol. And you'll have heard of that because of the bombing of the hospital and other things there. Um, it's interesting that the Azov Battalion did not inc included assaults on feminists and liberals marching on the International Women's Day in Marupol. It's in March 2019, member of the Azov Battalion's National Corps attacked the home of Viktor Med Medvedchuk, the leading opposition figure, accusing him of, of treason. Now, we have to be really, really careful with all of this. But I, I'm just saying we need to watch out. Now, let me... Here, here's a... Uh, another gentleman who's very good at, I, I find him surprisingly good actually, at providing different perspectives and a wider analysis. And believe it or not, it's this guy, Russell Brand. This war, this conflict is occurring amid a degree of complexity. It's already just not as simple as that Putin... He's a bastard. He might be a bastard. None of this, of course, is an attempt to negate the transgressions made by Russia under Putin. That seems to be a foregone and understood aspect of this conflict. It's simply to point out that due to the nature of geopolitics, due to the nature of globalization, due to the nature of centralization, you're going to be dealing with a lot of interconnected issues. It's not going to be, oh no, there's some baddies. What are we going to do? And I think that whenever you find yourself supporting the intentions of a particular group in a way that lacks nuance, you are beholden to investigate your own position. Like, why is it that I believe that Putin's just evil and there's no discussion to be had? Stand with Ukraine. Of course, stand with Ukraine. Of course, don't bomb people. Of course, don't kill people. Those are some issues we can immediately agree on. War and violence are wrong and bad. But if we're truly going to find an amenable solution, we're going to have to understand the nature of the problem. Let me say, you know, we're trying to discuss what is happening. There's an article on Herd, which I'll put a link to, by Aris Rusinos, where it seems that Ukraine are winning the propaganda and social media war. And again, I'm urging you to be very careful. There are Ukrainian organizations that have contacted me. I'm not sure why, maybe because of the website. And it's fascinating getting there. They're offering me witnesses, exclusive comments, media from Ukraine. They're available 24-7. They will provide me with stories of victims, etc., etc. Their operation is very sophisticated. And it's 24-7. And the Western media, you can they can get it. But it, I, I can't use it because I can't check it. I've, had, I've even had a craft beer company contact me from Ukraine saying they're providing stuff. Or a computer games company. Um, it, it's just quite incredible. And they all end with a glory to Ukraine thing. Now, why does that matter? Well, I've looked at a lot of the different propaganda. I don't dispute at all that the Russians use propaganda and tell lies. But I also think the Ukrainians do. So we've had, for example, Snake Island. Uh, mentioned that already. Or the bombing of the Holocaust Memorial. Remember that? It was headline news here in Australia, and I'm sure elsewhere. You know, how could the Russians bomb a Holocaust memorial? Except they didn't. They bombed the TV tower and it turned out that that was fake news. And this is going to sound dreadful, but just at the time when the, you're trying to rack up support, the Russians very conveniently bomb a hospital in Maripol. Now, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Maybe they did, and the Russians say that there were artillery guns had been moved in there and the patients had been moved out. I just don't know.
and I suspect a lot of other people don't know, and I'm just saying we be careful. Don't be cynical, too cynical, and don't take away from the fact that there are dreadful things happening. But, again, from this unheard article, if you, if you part of the TikTok war, then the Ukrainians are absolutely winning. But in the real war, that's not strictly true. Um, the Russians are continuing to advance at far greater cost than they probably expected. They have shown a very strange tactics. So they've hardly used their overwhelming air force. I know you, we don't think that from the media, but that basically is true. Um, they, they, they've not been great on their guided munitions and armed drones and so on, far less than, than they can do and they, they will do. And so my fear is here is while we're cheering on Ukraine, we may be cheering on the Ukrainians to fight to destruction. Okay, one or two other things with this. You know, it's horrible that the Russians, insofar as they have, and they will continue to do so, and probably far worse, are bombing cities. And I've done so for 13 days. But remember this, we bombed Belgrade for, I think it was 78 days. And we killed civilians too. Now, you can argue it's not on the same scale and everything else, but we did it. Or this astonishing piece of news that I want to find out more that came out of the U.S. Senate that there were U.S. biolabs in Ukraine. When China revealed it and Rubio asked about it, the Pentagon spokesperson was asked, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? And the answer should have been no, but that answer was not given. And in November 2021, Washington and Ukraine signed a charter for strategic partnership, part of which talks about weapons of mass destruction and securing advanced technologies together. Now, I'm sorry if I'm Putin and I'm paranoid. That's really going to affect me as well. And then in the US, what have we got? Um, Biden bans Russian oil. Well, that's fine because he's got all the fracked oil, but the costs are going to be phenomenal, especially for Europeans and other people. In Nepal... Uh, I had a friend there who was telling me that their prices are just shooting up through the roof because the price of oil affects everything. Electric cars. One American senator said, well, just go out and buy an electric car. No use if you're poor. Also, no use if the batteries can't be made and the nickel from, for them comes from Russia. 25% of the world's grain comes through Ukrainian ports and Russian. This is going to end up really badly even if it doesn't descend into nuclear war. Speaking of which, listen to this. I understand and you know, I, I share the, the concerns about a direct military confrontation mm. between Russia and NATO that a no-fly zone may uh, lead to. Uh, so I understand that. Nobody wants to see an escalation of that nature. But on the other hand, Putin is not acting in any way rationally or, or defensively. And, uh, you know, we have a situation right now where perhaps the only thing nuclear weapons are deterring is the ability to properly and directly help Ukraine. Um, so all of these things uh, must be considered on a daily basis right now. That is Nicola Sturgeon, um, the no-fly zone. She's advocating a no-fly zone. Doesn't she understand what that means? It almost certainly means NATO planes shooting down Russian planes, which almost certainly means Russian Russia bombing NATO bases, possibly even with tactical nuclear weapons. It is one mighty step towards a nuclear war, which is why sensible military strategists, and I include in this the UK and the Americans, saying well, there's no way that we can do this but not Nicola Sturgeon. She either doesn't know 
or she's she's just talking virtue signaling. But thank goodness she doesn't have the power. A young princess. Anastasia! Grandma! Who vanished without a trace. Although the Tsar did not survive, one daughter may be still alive. The Princess Anastasia! Anastasia! All right, um, I'm sorry this has taken longer than I thought, but let's just think um, one other part of this. That's Anastasia. What's that got to do with anything? Well, it's got to do with the fact that there is now an anti-Russian panic and hysteria in the West. So much so, Disney banning Anastasia, McDonald's, Starbucks, Coca-Cola halting business in Russia. Um, McDonald's saying that they're closing their 850 restaurants in Russia in response to the needless human suffering unfolding in Ukraine. Uh, will they be closing all their restaurants in China and Hong Kong because of the needless human suffering unfolding in the Uyghur area? I doubt it. Then there's the case of Valery Gergiev, who's sacked by the Munich Philharmonic Orchestra for failing to condemn Putin. Sports people, cultural people, the Glasgow Film Festival has withdrawn two Russian films. Supermarkets removing vodka, Russian cats removed from cat shows. Sainsbury's renaming its Chicken Kiev to Chicken Yev, uh, withdrawing Russian black sunflower seeds from sale. The Bolshoi Bali being banned. It's enough to make you go crazy. Um, last week, couple of weeks, I've been playing Ukrainian worship songs. Remember, we have brothers and sisters in Russia as well. They're not to be blamed for what Putin is doing. Um, here is a great Swedish hymn, stroke, Russian hymn, stroke, English hymn now. Uh, how great thou art. Listen to a bit of this. I think I can see that most of my time has gone. I had one or two other things uh, that I want to mention, but we'll leave the, those till next week. Um, I mentioned Nicola Sturgeon. Let me just mention her again. This is just incredible. She's offered a formal apology to people accused of witchcraft between the 16th and 18th century. She was choosing to acknowledge uh, an egregious historic injustice. Well, hundreds, thousands of men and women were persecuted during the time of the Covenanters by the state. Is Nicola going to apologise for them? What about the discrimination against many of the Irish Catholics? Is Nicola going to apologise for that? 
What about some within the SNP supporting the Nazi party in the 1930s? Is Nicola going to apologise for that? There are so many things that apologise for. Meanwhile, in Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon's government is passing an act which will do far more harm to women and leads to new witch hunts. There have already been people outside the Scottish Parliament screaming at feminists, witch, witch, witch. Why? That's the transgender thing and where Nicola is is destroying the meaning of the word woman. Do you know, in all of this, the only black and white in this, the only black and white on judgment is on Judgment Day when God opens the books and when God calls everyone to give account for what they have done and particularly for what they have done with his son. I'm going to love you and leave you uh, with this lovely bit of Russian music, uh, Swan Lake by Tchaikovsky, the Welsh orchestra Haban Tchaikovsky. There you go. See, what's happening here, by the way, is this, this is typical of the Western world now. You get your your corporations and you get your academics and you get your media and they all have to show they care and they all have to do something. So you find something Russian to attack in order to show that you care. That is a ridiculous way to behave. It does so much harm. It is not going, it doesn't help. How does banning Tchaikovsky help? How does banning Tolstoy help? How does banning Dostoevsky help? It doesn't. The Christian response is very different. We love our enemies. We have a far greater and deeper and wider perspective on what humanity is. We know that in this world we can't make it all right. That only comes on the day of judgment. And that's why I leave you with Swan Lake, one of the most incredibly beautiful pieces of music. Uh, One of the highlights of my life was going with my daughter to see uh, Swan Lake. Just beautiful. And as we listen to this beautiful music, let's remember to pray for our broken world and pray that this situation will not get a whole lot worse. It could so easily do so. And uh, by the way, if you want to support Quantum, you can go to the Podbean fundraiser. Go to the website, theweefully.com, to get links and all the rest of it to it. Uh, I pray that the Lord would bless you. Floods, plague, wars. It does feel like the end times, doesn't it? Um, I suspect we're not there yet, but I think Jesus was right. There will be wars and rumors of wars. And thankfully we have him. So God bless you and see you next week.